Listening to sermons as we go about our days, driving around or doing our work, is a perfect reminder of our Lord's promises and of His mercies. This is the mission of Upper Room Media. To make the Word of God accessible to anybody and everybody. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Glory be to the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever in the ages of all ages. Amen. It says that the Lord spoke this parable against them. They knew that He spoke this parable against them. The Lord speaks these parables to all of us every day. I mean, we read these parables, we read the Gospels together. We come to church, we read them, we hear them, we speak about them. The question for them, when they were told this, they became judges of the Word rather than letting the Word be upon them. Letting the Word sink in to the ears and the heart and cause change, cause healing in them and those around them. But they knew that He spoke this against them, so they were very angry and resentful. While others hear the same parable and they say, Lord, what shall I do? Others heard people like St. Peter preach to them back in the book of the Acts. And then when they heard the message being preached, they were cut to the heart and said, what must we do? They could have also said, oh, this is against us, this is not for us, we're not taking these words. Leave. It says when the Lord spoke the passages in the Gospels, that the common people would hear Him gladly. The common people would say, this is, we want more of this. Give us more of this message. So, is this parable for us or against us? So, I mean, it cannot be that in 2023, the church is reading this to us every year on the first Sunday of the month of Abib because it had to do with the Pharisees and it was against them and we know the Pharisees were no good and they didn't like Jesus and yada, yada. It can't be. There's got to be more to what we read and hear and speak about in church week after week, year after year, month after month, and so on and so on. There must be something in it for me. It cannot be that it's for her sitting next to me. It cannot be because it's that guy sitting over there in the corner. It can't be because there has to be something for me personally. Me first standing here speaking with you today. There must be something here. So ask yourself. I will ask myself. I'm asking myself right now, ask, actually, is this for, against me or for me? Am I against it or for it? How am I looking at it? How am I looking at the words? So what was the parable about again? It was about this owner, the owner of the vineyard. So this is his stuff. He owns this stuff, and he basically thought about, you know, I'd like to go back and just get a bit of the fruit. He didn't say, I want to go claim it all back, take it away from them. He had leased it to these vine dressers. What, what are vine dressers again? These are people who are basically hired to take care of somebody's property. So he had hired these vine dressers. And these vine dressers were given a time to take care of his stuff. So sooner or later he said, I'm going to go back and see how things are going and ask for some of the fruit. I'm not going to take it back. I don't want all of it. I want some of the fruit. What fruit? Does the Lord care about grapes and fruits and vegetables as much as He cares about every soul sitting here and every soul on this planet? Does He care, like St. Paul was telling us, is it oxen the Lord is worried about? Is it animal sacrifices that the Lord is caring for? Is it what things look like on the outside that the Lord is looking towards? Absolutely not. 
It's always about what's in the heart. The fruit that he was looking for is not grapes to make a wine cellar or to prepare his, his party. The grapes or the fruits he was looking for are the fruits that are found in a heart that is seeking a change. So the question for us, them we know that they sent them, everyone he sent, they sent away empty-handed. Said, no, no, get out of here. Leave. This is our stuff. It's not yours. Which is, of course, a huge false understanding of what we are as stewards of what the Lord has given us. The Lord has given us something that He wants us to keep. And He wants us to bear fruit in it and by it and through it. He wants it to grow exponentially. For here, for today, for tomorrow, for 10 years from now, for eternity. There are certain fruits that bear fruit unto eternal life. And there are other fruits, or can I maybe call them not so much fruits, maybe sour grapes that don't bear fruit for long. They don't last unto eternity. So if I'm a steward of all of this, and this parable is being spoken to me today, the Lord has given me a stewardship. And not only me, every single one of us has been entrusted lovingly and with full confidence by the Lord Himself entrusted with a stewardship. It says, here is your stewardship. Your stewardship is not like the girl sitting next to you. Your stewardship is not that like the guy sitting in front of you. Yours is unique to you. And hers is unique to hers. And so on and so forth. No need to compare left and right. Everyone's stewardship is unique. And everyone is asked to consider what is their intention with this stewardship? How do I look at it? How does it what does it mean to me? What does it mean to me? What, what, what am I using it for? What am I doing with it? This, these are our important questions to consider. Think of your stewardship. Think, make a list in your mind now as you're hearing me and put a list in front of you of all the things that God has entrusted you with. Think of it. Could be material, not material, your wife, your children, your husband, your parents, your cousins, your family, the people you serve, the people you care for, the people you don't care for, whatever. All this is the list of the, the vineyard. All this is on the list of the stewardship. There is a hireling or a steward who cares and tries to imitate the owner. So we know that the owner of the vineyard, our Lord Jesus Christ, the owner, he basically gave himself for the vineyard. He basically died on behalf of every single one of us. The hireling, the steward, who does not realize this or remind himself of this, every breath he or she takes starts to care about lesser things. Things that are not as important. Things that are not as valuable. It's amazing how when the Lord speaks of himself as the good shepherd, because he is the only good shepherd, in John chapter 10, chapter 10 he says the following. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But, however, a hireling, a steward, a laborer, who does not consider it important enough, or care for it, or seek to care for it the way the shepherd or the owner does, basically does what? He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. Why does he do this? It says the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care. 
That's what it says in the gospel. He does not care about the sheep. You say, what do you mean I don't care? Of course I care. Maybe, but are we caring at the level that we ought to? We ought to pray for that and ask our Lord to give us this level of care. The Lord says in one of the parables in Luke 18, He says, when the Son of Man comes, when I come back, and you're going to notice the next Sundays, the Gospels are all about the return, the coming, the second and final coming. He says, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Now, what is this faith he's seeking? Is it verses that are memorized? Is, is, is it uh, appearances of achievements, titles or projects or goals or services or ministries or posters or things that are lined up and set up for people to look at and say, wow, that's amazing? Or is it the desire for the salvation of the soul of the person sitting right next to me? I may think, yes, I, I pray for like the church is going to pray in a few minutes, say, remember Lord, the salvation of the world. That's great. We think of the salvation of the world. We think of the people who lost their homes and lives in Maui. We think of the other parts of the world. We think all far stretched, all the way out onto the ends of the earth. But there's a person sitting right next to you. There's a person sitting in your basement right now. There's a person at home in their bedroom. There is your next door neighbor, whatever. These also our sons and daughters of Abraham. These also matter. That person you're not looking forward to seeing tomorrow at work at 8 a.m. He or she is also a son and daughter of Abraham. So it cannot be that yeah, we care about, and then we forget here. St. Paul says, if you do so, if you think that way and forget about here, you're worse than an unbeliever, let alone not so much of a good Christian. Worse than an unbeliever. This is a very strong parable. And it's not coincidental that the church gives it to us today. It's reminding us of love and the motive behind the things we do. The motive behind the things we do. That's why the Lord asks in the third service of the midnight prayer in the gospel, He says, who then? So I'm telling you this very strong message. That's what the Lord is telling us, not me, me personally, the Lord. He says, who then is that faithful and wise steward? Who then is that faithful and wise steward? So we are all stewards because he's saying, who then is that faithful and wise steward? Who will take care of my vineyard? Who will take care of my sheep? Who will care for the salvation of the soul of the person sitting next to them and the person that they don't even know yet? Care not in the way they think they should care, but care the way he cares. That's why this is something we need to pray for. We cannot, we're not... Enough in our capacity, in our limited human capacity to say, well, this is how you should do it. You're not coming to Christ. You're not doing this. You're doing that. Whatever it is, it's not our way that's going to bring the soul to Christ. It's His way that will bring the soul to Him, who is Christ. So praying for it, say, Lord, grant us to care as you care. Grant me to care the way you care. It's a very simple prayer. I'm sure everyone here can memorize it by now. Lord, grant me to care the way you care. Because I can't care that way alone. I certainly can't care that way alone. The Lord is seeking those who are willing to be faithful and wise to the stewardship. Every single one of us is called to, to that. I'm going to leave you with a couple of thoughts, maybe a couple of quotes as well, just to think about. It says that you are the light of the world. You've heard this so many times. You are the salt of the earth. This is, this is in the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. 
And then the Lord says, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass away from the law till all is fulfilled. And then he goes on to say, For I say to you, and he's saying to you, that's me, all of us. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds, exceeds what? What is my righteousness going to exceed? He says, Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom. What is this righteousness exceeding the scribes? What, what is the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees? It's not righteousness. The righteousness that exceeds is the righteousness of Christ. This is the only righteousness I need to look towards and look up to. Say, Lord, grant me your righteousness. Because I cannot be righteous in and of myself. These Pharisees today, and maybe I could be joining them in their same thought pattern, took this against them and were upset. Rather than taking this and saying, Lord, what must I do that my righteousness may exceed this righteousness and become your righteousness? What must I do? So what is the way? What is the key? It says, when the Lord saw this woman come in and bypass and go around Simon the Pharisee and all the people he had invited and go straight to the Lord's feet and wash his feet and pour that oil on, on his feet and the perfume and dry him with her hair, he said, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. Loved who much? Loved what much? Caring to realize how much you are loved. This is the starting point. You were loved, and you were beloved, and you were cared for before your mother and father had you. So you don't need to seek for anything else. You have been loved and cared for before the foundation of the world. You have been loved and cherished before anyone could know you by name or know how you look. You have been loved and cherished before you ever walked this earth, before anyone saw you. Before anyone saw your good or bad deeds, you have been loved and you remain loved. This is the starting point. Realizing how cherished and beloved you are, therefore you don't need anything else. Because it's just between you and the Lord. Nothing comes between you and the Lord. Nothing. No one, no thing. That's why St. Paul says, no other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. So it begins with the love knowing how loved I am, and then choosing this and saying, Lord, make everything I do be a, a sweet-smelling sacrifice before you. My motives, my intentions, what are the deepest intentions of my heart for what I just said and what I just did and what I just thought and what I was just feeling? What is the motive behind it, Lord? Turn towards your righteousness. Fold it and mold it and prepare it towards your righteousness. You all know of Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel from the beginning of time. They both offered an offering. What's the difference? St. John tells us something very interesting. He says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. The Cains and the Abels are manifest. He says, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not love his brother. We can say, well, who is my brother? Just like the lawyer said to the Lord, who is my neighbor? He said, well, if you want to know who your neighbor is, imitate the good Samaritan. Then he says what? For this is the message that you heard from the beginning. This is nothing new. This is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one. Why was he of the wicked one, Lord? 
Because he murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brother is righteous. So Abel offered a righteous offering. It's not about lambs and goats. It's not about fruits and vegetables. It's about the intention and the love that is in the giving. That's why St. Paul says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not the love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains. Imagine someone that can tell a mountain to move. But if I have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So I could be doing tons of things. With no love, it profits nothing. It's a big waste of time. So how do I know? Ask myself. Imitate. Take the word love and put my name in its stead. Take the word of the name of the Lord Jesus and associate link, attach myself to that name. Say, Lord, grant me to be like this. What does love do? Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love does, is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked, thinks no evil, does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. When the Lord gave the message to the seven churches of the book of Revelation, the first church he speaks to is the church of Ephesus. And it was known as basically the loveless church. The church that was, but is no longer. Why? It says, to the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He says, I know your labors. I know. I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. And that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. So you have discernment. You have a faith. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Wow, that sounds amazing. So far, so good. It sounds amazing. This person has done plenty for the church, tons for the church, all kinds of stuff. That's what it says. I'm not inventing this stuff. Look it up. Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. Then it says what? Nevertheless, I have this against you. There's something incomplete, something preventing you from the kingdom of God. What is it? That you have left your first love. What? What's love got to do with it? Doesn't Tina Turner say that? What's love got to do with it? This is what love's got to do with it. Right here, right there. This is what love's got to do with it. Because without love, it profits me nothing. It is useless. It's a big waste of time. It doesn't prosper or bear fruit, the fruit that he was looking for in today's parable. He says, remember therefore from where you have fallen. Go back in your mind, in your heart, go back in history, a year ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, 15, 20, 30, whatever years you want to go back to, go back in time, remember from where you have fallen. And then do what? Once you have remembered, once you have realized, repent. Realize there's a repentance that needs to be offered. Repent and do what? It says repent and do something. So, oh yes, I realize, I remember those days. I remember when it was like that. I remember doing this. I remember saying that. I rem okay, now you remember? Good. Now next, much more important, do the first works. Go back and do what you used to do. Go back and think the way you used to think. Go back and love the way you used to love. That's what it says to do. Repent and do the first works. Very simple. He who has ears to ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. 
You can read the message in its details for yourself. You know very well what Mother Teresa has taught us and says about love, right? What does she say? She says something beautiful here. She says, do not imagine that love is, the love to be true must be extraordinary. No. What we need in our love is the continuity to love the one we love. It all begins between me and him. I am the Lord. See how a lamp burns by the continual consumption of little drops of oil. If there are no more of these drops in the lamp, there will be no light. If there is no more oil, if there's no more love between me and him, there will be no oil. She says, what are these drops of oil in our lamps? They are the little things of everyday life. Fidelity. Little words of kindness. Just a little thought for others. Those little acts of silence, of look and thought, of word and deed. She reminds us of that and tells us, it's pretty simple. She says, look for this. St. John Kronstadt says, love God above everything and your neighbor as yourself. If you have not sufficient strength to preserve that in your heart, because these are in inestimable treasures, he says, fall down often at his feet. Fall down often at the feet of God, the God of love and say, Lord, give me this love. Ask and you will be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. This is what we're called to do. St. Irenaeus says, God did not tell us to follow him because he needed our help, but because he knew that loving him this way will make us complete because we'll love others that way. That's why what, hangs, what everything hangs on, loving God, loving neighbor, is based on that. We can do it. We can truly do it if we choose and say, Lord, grant me this desire. Inflame my heart with love for you and with love for every single person I encounter. It could be a total stranger on the highway that you just zoomed by. Pray for them and love them. Even though you may never meet them for the rest of your life. And don't just do it again for my clique and the five, six people I do everything with. Because that's not going to exceed the, the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Because that's exactly what they did. That's exactly what they did. That will not enter us in the kingdom of heaven. That's why the Lord says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? If you forgive and give to those who give back to you and forgive you, what good is that to you? Even the tax collectors and the scribes, and not the scribes, the tax collectors and people that are considered of lesser importance in society do so. But when you start imitating me, and we can only imitate him by close proximity, every breath we take, then we'll start to be of the righteousness of Christ and no longer just the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.